Dead men tell no tales. Fifteen men loaded in man's chest. Yo ho ho and a bottle of rum. Drink and the devil had done for the rest. Yo ho ho and a bottle of rum. When we deal with the drunken sailor, when we deal with the drunken sailor, when we deal with the drunken sailor, the ship with black sails that's crewed by the damned. Welcome aboard the Black Pearl. Welcome to the Black Pearl Show, a Pirates of the Caribbean podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and plunder the Pirates of the Caribbean films, and yes, the expanded universe, dabble in history, stress the euphemisms, and strive to have a hell of a good swashbuckling time each and every week. I'm Scott Artis from scottartis.com. And I'm Heather Artis from blackpearlminute.com. I knew you would screw that up, because we just talked about it last time. But you said you made it in your notes, too, but I don't think it happened. I think you either didn't make it in your notes or you just rolled with your memory. I rolled with my memory. Anyways, thanks for joining us for Season 2, Episode 99, brought to you by Mike's Hard Black Cherry Lemonade. Ah, Mike's Hard Black Cherry Lemonade. It's the only way to get through this show. (laughs) With Heather, I mean, because the content is good. Heather, that's a struggle. It's an everyday struggle I have. I do have to... Wish Cynthia happy rum day. Yo ho ho and a bottle of rum. Oh yeah, that's right. So we had to have weird lemonade. It's not rum. <laughs> it's not rum. But it'll suffice. Anyways, this is uh, season two, episode 99, if I didn't mention that. It's no Pirates of the Caribbean 6 talk today. It's back to the basics. Back to those minutes, each and every one of them. That means we're getting a bit hot and heavy, too, with Minute 102 and 103. Yeah, I said it. 102, 103. It's hot. Very hot. Man, Elizabeth just pours on the seductive charm in this minute, or these minutes. Is she literally trying to make Jack's head explode? Is she? That's my question. Like, (laughs) whoa. Where are you going with that? I meant his his head on his His shoulders. How dare you even go there yet? I didn't say anything. You got the look that nobody could hear see. There was kind of a pause. See? (laughs) Nobody can see it. I can see it. Probably by the time the audience gets this episode, because I'm just going to move along and we'll leave that there for a minute. It's the second annual listeners appreciation contest for some scallywag gear. It's going to be officially done as the last day to enter is today, August 16th, 2018 at 11.59 Pacific Daylight Time. If you missed it, Posted a photo of the prize package in our Cursed Listeners Crew Facebook group, as well as on our main Facebook page. So go check it out if you're curious. I mean, we're going to be picking a random winner and announcing that lucky person on next week's episode. Episode 100. How appropriate is that? Yeah, exactly. Given that people just love round numbers, especially one like 100. Kind of seems to be a bit of that milestone thing happening there. Not that it's our 100. It's just the season's 100 episode. It's a great time. We're well beyond that. It's a great time to... We're well beyond that. A w- episode 100? Yeah. Season 1? There's 100 oh, and Well, I meant in this season. episodes in that era. Yeah. It's a it's a great time to get rid of... Get, 
Do you even know what's going on over there? What a great time to give away prizes. Exactly. Episode 100. Yeah, that's what I'm figuring. That's because we are just talking about that. People like the round number thing, the milestone. But with today's episode, I mean, how many does that actually make for us? In two years, we ran like Jack being chased by hungry Pelagostos, pumping out episodes. Settled in a bit with the new format, though. Still feeling it out. So appreciate you hanging with us as we make sure to keep the show going while dealing with some crazy schedules. Do want to make sure it goes forward. Oh, yeah. And making plans for season three, which seems a bit kind of premature as we're still finding our way through Dead Man's Chest. So that's why we have the contest. A little thanks and to say we hope you're having as much fun with Pirates of the Caribbean as we are. But enough of the rambling. Winner announced next week. Random drawing. There we go. That's the long and short of it. And you can go check it out on Facebook, some of the prizes. Yep. But by the time you hear this, it's done. So you'll be seeing it, and then you can see what you may win on next week's episode. So you have to listen up. And I have some cursed listener crew news to share as well. You mentioned Cynthia earlier. She fueled my crazy theories by sharing a pic of the bullseye in Entertainment Weekly for the week of August 17th, which is like weird because it came out. You know how magazines are. Yes. But in this recent news, and this is like recent, I say. Because anyways, the small caption with a picture of Jack Sparrow and Jack the Monkey was there. And it says, Disney rumored to move forward with Pirates of the Caribbean 6. Maybe the monkey becomes like Captain in this one or something. Hmm. Yeah. Cynthia added it in jest. But you know what? That may be my Jack the Monkey hypothesis just might be coming true. I think that's what it means. You're a foreseer? I'm a fortune teller. Uh, a foreseer. I don't know if I like that word. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know. You're almost boggling my mind with that. Because now I forgot all the other <laughs> types of... <laughs> I can't think of what they are. Because you just threw that out there like a, some kind of crazy person. <laughs> Man. But Jack the Monkey Hypothesis. It's Captain. It's the Monkey Captain Hypothesis. I think that's what I called it. And I do so love that one. Yet not so much rearing its head in the second film just because we have a lack of... Okay. It's, it's like action. we have a bit of monkey drought going on here. Yeah, we yeah, haven't No seen, monkey yeah, no. action. But that doesn't mean... If you want to see monkey action, go to the zoo. <laughs> not that I endorse zoos. But there is monkey action from what I understand. But that doesn't mean the monkey captain hypothesis is dead, though. Just simmering for now. So thanks, Cynthia. You're always uh, playing with fire by throwing gas on my crazy ideas when you <laughs> highlight something like that. Yeah. That just that just makes my mind go, you know what? I got to come up with more stuff. Bad idea, Cynthia. Bad idea. Exactly. I also want to give a shout out to Joe Tamara Zamuda. I think that's, I probably butchered his name. I'm famous for butchering names on here. He let us know in our Facebook group that he likes the banter and is playing catch up. He's currently on minute 118 of Curse of the Black Pearl. Oh, wow. Firstly... Gotta say, welcome aboard and glad you liked the show. But that wasn't all. He asked the most appropriate of all questions, where's my grog? (laughs) (laughs) Where is the grog? Exactly. Now, that's a topic we need to discuss more often. The lack of grog for us and, obviously, our listeners. Yeah, it doesn't come enough. Thank you, Joe Tamara. Tamara. Joe Tamara. Oh, God. You know, he's new, he's listening, and now I've just forced him away. Good job. So, when he gets to this episode, episode, he'll be going... Why the hell did I listen? They just butchered my name. Oh, man. Craziness. I think as we announce the winner next week, I'm going to read a few of the comments people left while they, you know, on, or on why they like Pirates of the Caribbean, the films, the rides. Because there's some good stuff in there. 
Okay, maybe you know what? I'm going to read two for now because who knows what happens next week. You know how that just disappears and I won't do it. When things, you know, they kind of get going, I might forget all that stuff. Here's a couple of recent ones, though, that I thought were good and resonated with me. Jesse Truitt chimed in. I love everything. See, now I already messed it up. I'm misquoting her already. She says, I love anything that involves pirates, but Pirates of the Caribbean was what really sparked my interest in finding out more about Pirates of the West Indies and all over. I'm a huge history buff when it comes to those times. All I have to say is me too, Jesse. Thanks for the, the great note. I do like the history. Yeah, you do. Except my history spans pens and pencils and all these crazy things that yeah, I bring into the show. stuff. That it is. Not so much the pirates, but other stuff. Hey, I bring in pirate history. I've just been waiting lately. Oh, okay. I need to. I need to do. I, You're holding yeah. back. You know what? I do need to bring in more pirate history. I haven't done so much of that lately. Hmm. Should I should jump back on that? That you should. Jacob Armstrong says, "I've always loved pirates and the sea. Growing up, pirates and their ships were what fueled my imagination. So when Pirates of the Caribbean came out, I was like thrilled. For a couple of hours, I got to live out my dreams to see what it was like to be a pirate. I'm actually working on a pirate costume for Halloween party I'm attending this year." Trying to build a hat that is based off the one Davy Jones wears. That's awesome. Yeah. Jones is my favorite character and has been my inspiration in many artistic projects I've done. Without Pirates of the Caribbean, I wouldn't have that. You have to send a picture of that when you're done. Exactly, yeah. Jacob, share a picture of your costume during Halloween. Awesome. Yeah, thanks for sharing. Definitely. So that's all I'm going to read for now. Just those two. That's it? Because they were recent. I'm gonna, I said I'm going to read more when we get to the contest next week. I'll bring some more of those. Okay. Some fan interaction. As much as I want to get back to the hot and heavy Elizabeth, though, you know, that tickling Jack's fancy, we can't officially set sail without that little thing called... Love. Walk the plank. No. God, love again? No, it's not love. It's Pirate Word of the Week. Ahoy there, scallywags. Pirate Word of the Week in five, four, three, two, yarrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrr
And so, that's well, the song is all about the unfair beating of the sailors. Get out of here. Is that really what it's about? Yeah. I never, you know me, I don't really listen I to know. the words often. I know. I, just, I could have brought you the lyrics, but I didn't. Are you kidding me? No. <laughs> It's ridiculous. I'll send you to the deep. I usually, I'll, it's not like I don't hear the lyrics. I just never really process them as to their meaning. I'll just sing along with it. Yeah. But I never actually process yeah. lyrics, and you know that. Yeah. You're like, did you know what that? I'm like, oh, I had no idea. Well, that's pretty cool. I'm going to have to give it a listen. That you will. Maybe we'll have to. If you had told me this ahead of time, I could have added a little blow the man down to our soundboard. But guess what? Now I got to do it all in post-production, throw it in there, give everybody a taste to blow the man down. Okay? If I bring you my stuff beforehand, then you'll be, you won't get shocked when I tell you what it is. No, because you could have just said, hey, you should add blow the man down to the soundboard and then I could push it after we're done and then we could comment on it. But you don't have to give me context. You could just give me a heads up. Again, this is sausage making behind the scenes that we could be doing. (laughs) Any, are you done? Did you have anything else with that? Okay. Again, I'll do all the legwork behind the scene. I could play it, but it won't sound very no, good. No, we're not doing it. It's got to go through the system. As I was out walking down Paradise Street To me wave, blow the man down A pretty young damsel I chanced for to meet Give me some time to blow the man down She was round in the counter and bluffing the bow Wave, blow the man down So I took in all sail and cried way enough now Give me some time to blow the man down I hailed her in English, she answered me clear To me, wave, blow the man down I'm from the Black Arrow, bound to the Shakespeare Give me some time to blow the man down So I tailed her my flipper and took her in tow To me, wave, blow the man down And yard arm to yard arm, away we did go Give me some time to blow the man down But as we were a-going, she said unto me Spanking full rigger, just ready for sea. Give me some time to blow the man down. That spanking full rigger to New York was bound. To me, wave, blow the man down. She was very well manned and very well found. Give me some time to blow the man down. But as soon as that packet was clear of the bar, to me, wave, blow the man down. The mate knocked me down with the end of a spar. Give me some time to blow the man down. As soon as that packet was out on the sea, to me, wave, blow the man down. Twas devilish hard treatment of every degree. Give me some time to blow the man down. So I give you fair warning before we be late. To me, wave, blow the man down. Don't never take heed of what pretty girls say. Give me some time to blow the man down. Anyways, I'm going to get going. Are you ready? I'm ready. I mean, are you ready, though? Let's go running. Uh, maybe sailing. Okay. In the previous minute? Because it's been a while since I've said it in the previous minute. It feels like it anyways. It does. But I think it's because we're doing the one show a week now and not all the time. And that's what's making me nostalgic for it. And then the last week we did the... Breaking scallywag news with Pirates of the Caribbean yeah. 6. In the previous minute... With Elizabeth's dress. By the way, when I do that, every time I raise my hand. So people out there in the audience could go, I wonder what he does. No, I do it every time. I actually raise my hand. I talk with my hands in here. It's a pretty crazy scene. We both do, actually. We make a lot of hand gestures in here. 
Yeah, but... And there are always nice ones. They're the middle fingers, though. <laughs> in the previous minute, and my hand just went up again. Damn it! I couldn't even control it. With Elizabeth's dress floating in the ocean, we are reminded yet again that this young, rebellious woman loves to... Get out of her clothes. Flirt? Get out of her clothes, I said. Flirt? The dress floating makes you flirt. No, let's get out of your clothes. Shall we declare this the official callback to Curse of the Black Pearl when Captain Jack Sparrow rips off her dress and cuts loose her? Corset? <laughs> and when the dress comes off, Will Turner is nowhere to be seen. Again. The first time around, he was playing with ingots in the blacksmith <laughs> shop. And now, this time, he's, well, he's getting a feel for the Dutchman's bowsprit. No judgments here, Will? No judgments He's here. hanging out in the Dutchman's mouth. <laughs> I think either of those work for the context of our <laughs> thing here. <laughs> good <laughs> what did you oh, say? It's a good I was gonna, I was gonna, No, it was, uh, I was going to say something else, but it's the, uh, yeah. This is a rough two minutes for trying to keep things clean. <laughs> exactly. Aboard. Okay. Anyways, you got me all discombobulated here. That's massive not clean. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, for all of that, if you want to hear it, it's called what is it called now? Actually, the Good Ship Venus. The Good Ship Venus. Yeah. yeah. So there you go. You can go listen to it if you like salty language. Not which really salty language. Okay, this isn't a song that you typically play while grooving with your mom in the room. Let's just put it that way. Back to the thing. I wonder what your mom would think of with that song. No, don't even mention it. She's going to listen to it and go, what the hell are you guys talking about? Anyways. And if things couldn't get any worse, as the conversation between Jack and Elizabeth takes a turn for the euphemism, Elizabeth points out the obvious, pun intended, that Jack's compass doesn't point in the right direction. It doesn't work. No. Minute 102 begins with Captain Jack Sparrow hesitantly and maybe embarrassingly responding to Elizabeth. My compass works fine. Elizabeth seductively stares on because you and I are alike and there will come a moment when you have a chance to show it, to do the right thing. Jack says, I love those moments. I like to wave at them when they pass by. Minute 103 ends with Captain Jack Sparrow, Elizabeth Swan, James Norrington, and Pentel and Rigetti making their way to shore in a longboat. Jack clutches his jar of dirt, and Pentel and Rigetti argue about the pronunciation of the word Kraken. Kraken. It's a mythological creature. I can calls it what I want, just as they make land. So there you go. That's the, the breakdown. Aboard the good ship Venus, you really <laughs> should have seen us with a figurehead of a... No, okay, we won't go there. Here's the deal. I was going to start this breakdown with something classy. <laughs> a little too late to now bring that up. Well, pirate classy, let's just say that. And it wasn't the good ship Venus. (laughs) It's by falling all over the, you know, the kind of the smart writing of Terry Rossio and Ted Elliott. But damn it, these couple of minutes didn't freaking double down on the sexy talk here. Okay, it's borderline pillow talk going on here. Feminine wiles set to a maximum. Oh, yeah. I wonder how many people in the audience when they're actually seeing the film, all the guys there. Just a a second, honey. I I gotta go to the bathroom. When really they're just like, I got to get a refill of ice in this cup. (laughs) I'm going to need some ice over here. Because honestly, Elizabeth is pumping that seduction. Seduction? Seduction. (laughs) What's seduction? That's a good question. But she's pumping it hard, right? (laughs) She's pumping that seduction hard. It's as hard as possible. Pun intended. I mean, okay, maybe pun intended. She's pumping it out there, right? Yeah. That's 
hot and heavy. Now, hot, if hot, he hot. has bad breath, how could she be that close to him? That's poor hygiene, I should say. Eh, I think she's used to it. She's in. She doesn't care. I think in this time it was a name. You know, okay. It was just normal. But here's what's brilliant about this entire scene because it's quite deep. <laughs> that wasn't even a pun intended. That was just a happy accident, Bob Ross style. But it's quite deep after I watched it a couple of times. Multifaceted. Maybe you should have put a warning in the beginning of this episode. Oh, this is one's mild. Come on. <laughs> it's, uh, like we said, it's education for the kids. They're all going to look up Good Ship Venus. Be singing it in class. <laughs> Teacher's like, holy hell, what the hell? Don't be singing that here. <laughs> Poor kids. We've corrupted them. Parents, don't listen to Good Ship Venus with your kids. Okay. But anyways, firstly, the theme of this confused love. It's like, what and who do Jack and Elizabeth really want? Okay? Each other? That's kind of the question mark here. Because that's the ultimate tease happening in these minutes. She knows she's got it, so she's going to flaunt it and put it to use. Plus, they're pirates. And nothing says pirates like uh, maybe the euphemisms. You can hear back to our previous episodes with my interaction at the pirate festival with the <laughs> captain's nuts lady but elizabeth is bringing it home appealing to jack's desire for finer the softer sex to use a couple of throwback terms but she is also going after his ego because she's stroking that ego like no tomorrow <laughs> i had to say it i had to <laughs> and as they go in for the cliche kiss it's never gonna happen because we've seen movies before if you've never seen the movie this one, and you saw that this kiss was about to happen, you'd know it was never going to happen. But we expect it to get interrupted, because that's the trope. In every single rom-com, and I threw that in because Heather, you still forgot it's romantic I don't like comedy. That. Well, usually the scene is a woman trying to get her way, using her attributes. Then the kiss goes awry as she pulls away, leaving the dude wanting a bit of time to simmer down. There's now, that classic Cheers episode where Sam is upstairs at Melville's, and I think it's Diane he's with. I don't know if you remember this one. I believe it's Diane. It could be Rebecca, but I think it's Diane. Anyways, before this kind of drags on this this, this reference too long, she whispers in his ear that they're going to do or whatever. She gets up to leave and says, come on. He's like, he can't leave yet because he's, well, incapacitated, so to speak. A slight issue down below. And as the waiter comes back, as he's just sitting there by himself now, he asks for another souffle. And then the waiter's like, you're aware that's going to take 45 minutes? And he's like, yeah, I know. I think it was Rebecca. Was it Rebecca? I think so. Okay, we're going to have to look it up. I think it's Rebecca. I threw both of them in there, but I don't remember exactly what it was. It may have been Rebecca. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not putting a dollar on that one. But that's Jack. He needs a souffle stat right now. <laughs> I don't know, though. Because when she said, when he says, my compass works fine, he looks down at the cannon. Like Really? I didn't notice that part. He does, his compass isn't, and then he's kind of like... Well, if he looks at the like cannon... His can't, like his compass is not working properly. Wait, what? I got lost. Okay. If he looks down at the cannon... Uh-huh. That's a clear metaphor for him as hard as a cannon. But then he walks away. Yeah? At that point in time. He walks away like it's not working properly. Okay. Yeah. I'm kind of following you. I don't think you are because you're giving me that look like you have no clue I don't know what, what the I'm hell's saying. going on over there because you just threw out that he was okay and then he wasn't and you said you didn't think so. He says his compass works fine. Yeah. Okay. But then he looks down at the camp, camp, the cannon, right? Yeah. He looks down at the cannon, then he kind of 
moves away from Elizabeth to okay. the other side. Like, it's not working properly. Okay, maybe it's not working properly. <laughs> and he's, it's a lie that he's saying it's working fine. That could be too. <laughs> but there's a clear, obviously, Viagra commercial thing going on here, or whatever it is, if he looks down at the cannon. Yeah, he does look down at the cannon. That's such just like one of those so. late night commercials. Like, Nobody Bob, can see is that, that like but a I cannon. just reenacted it. There you so. go. But the point, though, and, and here's the real point of all this. Okay. She's all in. And when I first watched it, I thought just maybe she really wanted to kiss or that she wanted that kiss to connect with Jack. And I thought she might be a bit disappointed that Jack sees the spot, the black spot reappear. And then he gets distracted and the kiss fails. Okay. Mm-hmm. But after watching it a few times, it clicked for me. She's been setting up this event to leave him compromised, taking him right to the brink. When Jack pulls out of the kiss, it's during a conversation that perhaps is a misdirection for Elizabeth. Because the whole time she's playing up like this morality thing, he's a good man, I can prove it, you would never compromise or dishonor me kind of thing. Yeah. But that's the key. As she says this, he sees the return of the black spot, all goes to hell, and he's now thinking, damn, I got to get off the water. She, on the other hand, is thinking, wow, Jack is maybe a good guy that won't compromise Elizabeth. Won't dishonor me. That's the brilliant part. Both have their own selfish reasons for the no kiss follow through. But each one has a different perspective of what happened and why it failed. Each walks away thinking the other one has the upper hand. Yeah. That's what I like about it. Because Jack thinks Elizabeth wants to kiss him. Right. Seduce him. He walks away. Elizabeth thinks Jack kind of got that proverbial cold feet because she appealed to his morality and he couldn't kiss her. Didn't want to jeopardize her honor. And that's great writing. It's like superb acting here. Because as I watch Kira Knightley perform in this scene, I'm instantly like transported. It's like I feel like I'm right there where this is all playing out. But here's my question. When Jack fails to kiss her, she seems a bit disappointed though at the same time. She is disappointed. She musters the, uh, I'm it, proud of you. She didn't want it, but she wanted it. Yeah. Damn you women. You tease it. You know, that's the way we work. So here's my theory though. And it's going to expand on what you just said. Terry and Ted again want to keep the audience guessing. Mm-hmm. They want to tease this potential romance between Jack and Elizabeth. Jack pops out of the moment, but Elizabeth has that look like she really did want the kiss, at least from what I'm seeing. It's that or why didn't he want to kiss me? Exactly. That's where you're just, well, A, you stole my thunder, so that's rude. B, I'm going to tell you anyways because I was, <laughs> I had this all like prepared, mentally prepared, ready to go. It's like Sheldon and I, I stopped yeah. you mid-thought and you can't stop there. That's exactly, it exactly it. You got to finish. Hurt. hurts so good. You got to finish that. Because now I'm not saying she wants the kiss from like an attraction standpoint, but maybe she's a bit deflated that her charm in womanly ways didn't bring home the bacon. Yeah. She thought Jack would surely not be able to like resist her. And she was going to have to turn him down. Yeah, and that's what I'm wondering. Because she doesn't expect Jack to control his urges. But maybe it's a win for her either way. It's like a win-win. She convinces Jack. Yeah, (laughs) win-win-win. Michael Scott. Because she convinces Jack he's a good man and he doesn't kiss her. Or the other option is that he moves in for the connect the lips kind of thing. And she denies him, proving she's still got what it takes. So she's going to win either way. But she is a little disappointed. Yeah. But at the end of the day, though, this is like a smart writing thing because it keeps the audience in a guessing game and it continues to build those character arcs. Plus, I think it just has some interesting connotations for Elizabeth. It's almost like she's disappointed. Maybe it's this. Maybe she's disappointed 
Because from her standpoint, she thinks Jack backed out because she appealed to his morality, not wanting to dishonor her because that's what she was talking about. Okay. So maybe, maybe what is happening there is she's thinking, Jack, is Jack really the person or the opposite of who I thought he was? Because I thought he wouldn't care about that. And he came in and now he's showing me that maybe he is the better man than he is a good man. So I don't know. It's interesting. There's just two more things about this scene, too, that I uh, that I like. And I could probably go on longer with the electricity between the two. Definite chemistry going on there. Uh-huh. But the first is Jack feeling like Davy Jones screwed him with the black spot thing. <laughs> he was just about to get Elizabeth action. And then that spot shows up. Yeah, he's got a case of being backed up now. <laughs> now, <laughs> now he has to worry about the Kraken. It's like bad timing. Or Kraken. Or Kraken. The second is the fact that this is a signal that the deal is broken. Davy Jones blames him for the stolen key. Yeah. Saw that in the last couple minutes. Then this black spot reappears on Jack's hand. It's like a deal gone bad. Usually the sidekick or the comedy relief character breaks up the pending kiss, you know, the bumbling guy. But this time it's a black spot. Boy, they really changed that trope up. (laughs) I never saw that coming. I didn't actually see the black spot coming. I figured somebody on deck would come. Gibbs, I figured, yeah. would be the one to interrupt that. But Black Spot, I like that. Or uh, Norrington. Or Norrington. Uh, I don't know. Norrington's got his own deal going on there. Not really sure. So I think he wants to know what she tastes like, not what it tastes like. Hands down. That was the whole conversation. <laughs> Definitely. That's what that was all he about. He doesn't want to know what it tastes like to be a good man. He wants to know what it tastes like to be Elizabeth. He wants to know what Elizabeth tastes like, <laughs> if that's what you're trying to say. Yes, that's what you're trying to say. That is definitely what's going on. Speaking of cliches and tropes, so. Yes. Pintel and Rigetti, they always deliver. Because it's good to see them back. I'm going to say I miss them a bit. Yeah. I don't know why. I admit like it. tomato, tomato? Yeah, I guess. Potato, patata? Really? Cracking, cracking? <laughs> these two idiots, let's just say. Demonstrate the, it's like the idiotic genius of these two. Of all the unlearned people, because I'm going to use unlearned, because we're dealing with Pentel and Rigetti here. Well, of all of these guys debating the pronunciation of a word, Pentel and Rigetti. Kraken. Kraken. But it's more than that. Rigetti is going all like etymology and the word origin thing. (laughs) These two, I mean, Pentel and Rigetti. Linguist scholars. (laughs) Honestly. But it's a good bit of banter that really underlies this whole like Jack is nervous kind of thing. Because he's clutching that jar of dirt like no tomorrow. Oh, yeah. But then again, you you know, crack in action. If you're in a long boat, that's just not good. Not at all. So you better clutch that. Exactly. Dirt. But it also gives us a brief shot that this is the big thing for me. That it continues to harp on this animosity between Elizabeth and Norrington. Because the looks... Okay, they have like these... Like, indifference when Pintel and Rigetti are arguing about the Kraken. Yeah. There's like eye rolls... It's the stuff that they have in common. And during the Kraken-Kraken debate, it turns into a bit of disgust with each other. A couple of scorned, almost lovers. One-sided lovers. Why was Norrington the one to come along? I know for the the storyline, he needs to. But for the decision on who to bring to the island, uh, Elizabeth, (laughs) Elizabeth's going because she's manning the compass. Jack's going because he needs to be on the island, on land. Yeah. Pintel and Rigetti are going because they need to row. But why is Norrington going? Yeah, that's a good question. Of all the people to bring along, why Norrington? Right. Okay, yeah. You can't for the trust script, Norrington. For the script, you're right. It moves the story along. 
But other than that, what is his purpose here? Right. You can't trust him. No. And the only other thing is to continue the idea of the love triangle, this love mm. stuff that we talked about in a previous episode with the, the Isn't love Isn't it episode. a love square, actually? Why? Yeah, Elizabeth. Yeah, it would be. Norrington. Okay, Jack, love square. And Will. A s- love squared. <laughs> there you go. But yeah, there is no reason for him to come along. He's the last person you'd want out there with you. Right. If anybody, you'd want to have him on the ship that could be taken by the Kraken. Right. Well, you I, want to take Gibbs or somebody else with yeah, you? That's right. But then again, somebody who's going to okay. dig for one thing. Here's here's one possible reason. You can't have you can't take Gibbs, okay? Because then you leave the Black Pearl unmanned. Un, not nobody manned, without but the captain. somebody in charge. Yeah, it's not captain by the, at least the the first mate kind of deal. If you leave Norrington on there and Gibbs is along, and you have the rest of the Motley crew, it's possible Norrington takes the ship and goes away. Mm. Retribution yeah. against Jack. So maybe that's why you have to take Norrington. You got to leave some crew there in case they got to move the ship around. Right. But if you leave Norrington and you don't leave Gibbs, Norrington possibly mutinies and takes over the ship, mm. takes off, leaves them stranded right. on there. That's possible. Okay. That's my only explanation. But that's a good question. But all of this discussion, though, kind of a uh, cracking, cracking, because I was kind of avoiding it, it really does beg for that little old thing known as. History! Oh, yeah. Kraken history. More history than Patel, our friend Patel, brought us? Yeah. I say Kraken, though. That's what I say. You say Kraken, not Kraken? No. What What do you say? I say Kraken. Because I grew up with this pronunciation from this little old Ray Harryhausen flick called Clash of the Titans, 1981. Harry Hamlin, Burgess Meredith, Sir Lawrence Olivier, a golden owl, the Stingin witches, Calabas. <laughs> Need I go on? Yes. I watch that movie all the time. It's like a mainstay on HBO for years. And that is probably a freaking understatement. And in that movie, they release the Kraken. They don't release the Kraken. They release the Kraken. I don't know if I need to repeat that. But Kraken (laughs) is what it was. So that defined how I say it. And that's how I've always said it then. I've never actually heard anybody say Kraken. But then again, I maybe wasn't listening for it. Yeah. Given that my pronunciation came directly from Hollywood. the, The gold standard for English language. But anyways, here's the history. Okay, well, stepping back. This pronunciation thing is something I found in forums online dating back to 2001 and beyond. Really? It's not just a Pirates of the Caribbean thing, but people have been making their case on how to pronounce it before this movie was even drafted as a script. Huh. It's been out there a while. Yeah. And yet to be really answered, except maybe by Pintel. But history, delivering what the people want, is because that's what I'm here for, is to deliver what they actually want. And yes, I'll do this in traditional 13th century Icelandic. Yeah, right. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> in the late 13th century version of the old Icelandic saga, Orvar Odor. How's that? It's an interesting... <laughs> I can't even say it with a straight face now. Anyways, there's this inserted episode of a journey bound for Helland, which is the Baffin Island, which takes the protagonist through the Greenland Sea and... Here they spot two massive sea monsters called Hafuga. Uh, Haf Gufa. Maybe Huff Gufa. Let's go with Huff Gufa, which was Sea Mist. And Lingbaker, Heatherback. You should know about this. Oh, yeah. The Huff Gufa is believed to be a reference to the Kraken from the 1200s. Huh. Here we go. Now I'm going to tell you that there are two sea monsters. One is called the Huff Gufa, another Lingbaker, or Bakker, probably. Lingbaker. 
The Lingbacher is the largest whale in the world, but the Hafgufa is the hugest monster in the sea. And this is a direct translation, okay? Okay. When I say direct, I haven't verified it, so who knows what kind of errors are happening here. But it's a translation nonetheless. Okay. Mind you, I'm saving my original Icelandic pronunciation for myself because I do excel at the Icelandic Oh, language. yeah, you do. Thank you. You just excel at drinking the Icelandic. How dare you? <laughs> that is rude. <laughs> but Icelandic white ale is good, and we should have that in the room while we're talking about this. It is the nature of this creature to swallow men in all ships, and even whales and everything else within reach. It stays submerged for days and rears its head and nostrils above surface and stays that way at least until the change of tide. Now that sound we just sailed through was the space between its jaws, and its nostrils and lower jaw were those rocks that appeared in the sea, while the Lingbacher was the island we saw sinking down. However, Ogman Tusuk has sent these creatures to you by means of his magic to cause the death of you and all your men. He thought more men would have gone the same way as those who had already drowned, and he expected that the Hafgufa would have swallowed us all. Today I sailed through its mouth because I knew it had recently surfaced. There, an early written account of the Kraken. That was it. There you go. There you go. From the 1200s. Wow. But this spawned another tale, actually. And I say tale because here's where it gets a little weird. It's actually a natural history work. Now, I say tale, they say natural history, because you heard it here, natural history when it comes to the Kraken. I mean, where were those natural history books when I was in school? I'd love to have had Krakens, Loch Ness Monsters, Sasquatch, and all those other creatures. <laughs> In school, being taught. What a time that would have been. But after returning from Greenland, here we go. The anonymous author of the old Norwegian natural history work, Konungs Skugja, circa 1250, described in detail the physical characteristics and feeding behavior of these beasts. The narrator proposed that there must be only two in existence, stemming from the observation that the beasts have always been sighted in the same part of the Greenland Sea and that each seemed incapable of reproduction and there was no increase in their numbers. So he had a, a bit of a background in observation, hmm. biological observation. Here's actually what he said. Again, translated. I'll oh, you're not going to say it in no, his language? No, I'll save my uh, Nordic stuff for, for my own personal use. Oh, okay. There is a fish that is still unmentioned which is scarcely advisable to speak about on account of its size, because it will seem to most people incredible. No, insert your expletive here. <laughs> Anonymous seafarer, okay? There are only a few who can speak upon it clearly, because it is seldom near land nor appears where it may be seen by fishermen. And I suppose there are not many of this sort of fish in the sea. Most often in our tongue, we call it hafgufa. Again, backing up the hafgufa. Hafgufa? Nor can I conclusively speak about its length in L's, because the times he had shown before men, he has appeared more like land than like fish. Neither have I heard that one had been caught or found dead, and it seems to me as though there must be no more than two in the oceans. And I deem that each is unable to reproduce itself, for I believe they are always the same ones. Then too, neither would it do for other fish if the Hafgufa were of such a number as other whales on account of their vastness and how much their subsistence that they need. Now see, he's got an understanding of how things work. You can't just have a bunch of Hafgufas running around the ocean. They're going to eat all the fish. And everything. And whales yeah. and everything else. Bravo, kind of, you natural history expert in the 12th century or 13th century. So that does make sense. At least yes. he's got an understanding of population dynamics. Right. There you go. Population dynamics in 1250. 
Where'd those two Hofgufas come from, though? That's a good question. Chicken or the egg? That is true. Because it is said to be the nature of these fish that when one shall desire to eat, then it stretches up its neck with a great belching. And following this belching comes forth much food so that all kinds of fish that are nearer to hand will come to present location. Then will gather together, both small and large, believing they shall obtain their food and good eating. But this great fish lets its mouth stand open the while. And the gap is no less wide than that of a great sounder bite. And nor the fish avoid running together there in their great numbers. But as soon as its stomach and mouth is full, then it locks together its jaw and has the fish all caught and enclosed. That before greedily came there looking for food. Hmm. There you go. A bunch of hop goofas running around. You and deep. Especially if they can basically call the fish all to them. Exactly. Adventure, the black moons will sail. Years into the future, pirates will prevail. Finally, we've conquered death. All our worries gone. Every night, our souls will rest till the break of dawn. And the ship sails on, back into beyond, over again. When I sing the song, this my home. Until the end, centuries across the sea is not enough for me. All I want is to be free and hail Captain Blood. On and on eternally, with life of piracy, hail the curse of Gilmaggy and hail Captain Blood. There's only room in this world for one Hofgufa. And of course, Two. one Lingbacher. There you go. What is amazing to me is that accounts of these creatures were taken as history. That's what's awesome. Kind of. I mean, it's like what we talked about regarding maps and how the edge of maps sees kind of uncharted territories were often decorated with mythological creatures. Right. Because earlier it was like sightings and stories told that populated these myths. But as we moved into like the 17th and 18th centuries, if I recall kind of correctly, it started to be more about decoration than the actual fear of the unknown. But it's nice to see some personal growth in the human race. Yeah, it's probably not real. There's no sea monsters there. But I really do like drawing them, so let's keep the tradition going. You tell the people at Loch Ness that. That's true. They got their own mini hop goofa. Mm-hmm. The good news, though, we get to an island. We're back on an island. Hope it's not Pelagosto, though. Man, we were there way too long. <laughs> well, we can dive into that next time when we actually see some land. You know, land ho kind of thing. Yeah, we're not seeing any land here. No. No land for me. I don't know. Do you have anything else? Nope, that's you, it for me. Uh, out of hop goofa. I'm out of hop goofa. Actually, it is all gone. I still got my. Yeah, this episode brought to you by Mike's Hard cherry lemonade there you go thanks for listening scallywags if you like the show give us a review on itunes helps us out and we greatly appreciate it have a question or comment give us a call at 8637 pirate it's a pirate hotline we just might play your voicemail on the show you can also give us a shout at podcast at blackpearlshow.com and don't forget to join the post episode brawls on facebook our facebook listeners group and on twitter if you're interested in best of clips you can occasionally find us on soundcloud all the links are on the blackpearlshow.com it is what that easy that freaking easy you missed your cue again i did we'll be back next week with the latest episode of the black pearl show we'll be tackling minutes 104 and 105 of dead man's chest unless some crazy pirate action happens that pulls us away from the minute breakdown jack is coming back (gasps) other than that no you can't throw out fake news (laughs) (laughs) everybody else does that's true we will continue like the dirty, filthy bilge rats we are, analyzing, scrutinizing, and plundering Pirates of the Caribbean films and Expanded Universe and all that good stuff. So until then, Scallywags, let's keep the horns swoggling to a minimum. 
across the sea is not enough for me. All I want is to be free and hail Captain Blood. On and on eternally, what life of piracy? Hail the curse of Gilmanky and hail Captain Blood. Listening to the Black Pearl Show, and we appreciate it, Scallywags. Pirates don't need no stinking disclaimers, but just for fun, I think all you dirty, filthy bilge rats know that Disney and Bruckheimer Films have no affiliation with us at all, and we have none with those blooming cockroaches. We talk about Pirates of the Caribbean, which is their property, and all that other fun stuff. But I think it's obvious what's ours and what's theirs. There's no need to blur the lines or stir up a bloody rum-filled sweat. As for the music, that's with permission or licensed under Creative Commons. So let's give a shout-out to Ross Bugden, Six Nail Coffin, and Tommy Wynn. The rest? Well, that's just me. Oh, maybe Heather. This is a Shoutreach Media Production.